Hey, speaking of New South Wales winning, we've got the, well one of the winningest people that we've had on our yes, <laughs> people and sports people on our show. A uh, true legend of the NRL game in State of Origin, and that's Robbie Kearns. Good night, Robbie. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are we? Yes, not too bad. So all the pleasure, um, you know, speaking to you, buddy. Tell us, uh, can I just get your quick thoughts on Sunday's game? I mean, it should be huge. Do you think uh, you New South Wales people can get up? Yeah, mate, I've got my fingers crossed. I've um, Obviously, I was going for New South Wales in game one. I thought New South Wales would have won that. Not easily, but uh, I thought they would have got away with it. But... Um, in saying that, last year, all three games I predicted the uh, the winner and uh, all three games I lost out on that bet. So um, I'm a so-called expert, but don't listen to me because I have no idea. But, um, but yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting game. I, I mean, both teams, they they are always very close games of football origin. doesn't matter who on paper uh, has a better side. But um, I just feel that uh, New South Wales didn't play to their best. Um, in game one, whereas Queensland played out of their skin. So I feel like a couple of the uh, so-called superstars in the New South Wales team, if they would have played to, to their potential in game two, I'm pretty sure they'll go 1-1 and uh, decide up in Queensland. Robbie, it's, uh, it was here, mate. Uh, decorated career for you, but I'm interested in your time at um, Melbourne Storm, not only to sort of come in and make the impression Melbourne Storm made straight away, but we just had Ray Warren on too, and he's been surprised at the sustainability of the, of the club. Uh, can you tell us about your time in the early days there and whether you thought maybe the club was going to survive or not? Yeah, it's funny, mate. I, I actually played with uh, Ray Warren's son over in Perth for yep. a few years prior to coming to Melbourne. And uh, unfortunately for the, uh, the Perth Reds, as we were known back then, we were... Uh, if anything, we most probably weren't playing to the to our potential, and we, we, you know we lacked um, we lacked something because we weren't, weren't making finals. But it only lasted three years. But uh, the Melbourne Storm from day dot have been successful, um, and hence hence has been still there to this day, like twenty twenty odd, I think it's twenty three or twenty four years years later. So uh, my time in the Melbourne Storm was fantastic, mate. I had eight years as a player. I continued on in a uh, commercial role for about another 13 years. People ask me what I did. I'm not too sure. I drank <laughs> beers with the sponsors and the members. Tough gigs. Um, so I had the world's greatest job. I was a Billy Brownless. So actually, I got, I got a, I was on Swanee's uh, podcast today. Yeah. And they uh, they made a uh, very uh, a similarity between myself with Melbourne Storm and Billy Brownless with Geelong. Oh, they employed Billy Brownless. They Billy, they employ, apparently they employ Billy, Billy Brownless to just drink beers with the members and the sponsors, and uh, <laughs> pretty much that was my job. So I said, but I'm not in, I'm not in Billy's league, but um, I was uh, he's pretty much his apprentice. But um, you're a good old plumber, mate. Bit. Plumbers know how to drink. Yes. yes, true, 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 true. But mate, we had a um, we had a, uh, early days, boys. We had a, um, a fantastic bunch of fellas. Uh, you know, we were all from different clubs, but. Chris Anderson was a wonderful coach of the early days of Melbourne Storm. He had a, uh, uh, a philosophy of uh, drink hard, train hard, play hard, and that bring us all to, brought us all together, and we played for one another, and uh, history shows that we went on to win our premiership, uh, our very first premiership in the second year, which is just amazing. I mean, you think of anyone 
uh, becoming a, a national competition at the elite level to win in their second year. It's unheard of, and uh, the Melbourne Storm did it, and we uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, early days, I mean, we, we could get away with the murder here in, in AFL, and, and no one would know who we were. So um, things were uh, very, very, lots of fun early days, but um, things have changed this day and age. Yeah. I wouldn't say lose, but fair enough. Fair enough. And the organisation now, you obviously said you, you spent a long time with the organisation uh, and uh, Bellamy and those sorts also have come along. How do you, how do you see it now and, and the continued success it's going to have? Yeah, mate, obviously for a long, long time they, they spoke about the big three, Cameron, Cameron Smith, Billy Slater and Cooper Cronk. Um... Obviously, Craig Bellamy, that's absolute superstar. But those three, big three, they 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 were a big part of our on, ongoing success. But I honestly believe that Craig Bellamy, they wouldn't have been the players without Craig Bellamy. Craig Bellamy is the greatest coach in Australian's sport. I think. I feel. Yep. Um, as long as Craig Bellamy is there, uh, we'll be very, very successful. He's, he's signed a five-year deal for more reports. Oh, that's good. And in those five years, if he wants to coach, he can coach. If he wants to oversee the coaching, he'll oversee it. Uh, he's basically put pen to paper that he will be head coach for 2023, which is a fantastic uh, you know, for everyone involved. Um, and beyond that, I'm not too sure what his plans are, but he'll be involved in some way, shape or form. And uh, if that's the case, Melbourne Storm will always be successful because he's an absolute superstar. Um, in rugby league terms, yes, absolutely. You know, I've, I've been coached by a lot of great coaches. Bill Gould, Wayne Bennett, Tim Sheens. And uh, by far and away, he's the, uh, the best coach you'll come across. What, what sets him apart then, Robbie? Well, I just feel that he has a, uh, a wonderful relationship with uh, all his players. Like, whether, whether you're Cameron Smith or a young guy, 17 years of age, coming in the Melbourne Storm, he treats everyone the same. He treats you with respect. He's a very humble guy. Um, uh, he's, he's from Portland, New South Wales. And Portland, New South Wales, is a little town near Bathurst. I think there's about 600 people there. So uh, he's an electrician by trade, went to year 10. So he, he's a simple bloke. Uh, but when I say simple, he he just everything he's trying to get across. He he, he hits on the head, and he just his presentation skills are great. His work ethic is unbelievable. He's a very humble guy, very respectful. He's all for the club. He's all for the club. He's all for making you a better player. But not only that, he's making you a better person. He's just his values in life are uh, unbelievable. And uh, every every bloke down at the Melbourne Storm live, live and breathe by his values. Awesome. Absolutely, no. He's, he's a great. He's a gun. Now back to you, Robbie. Um, you've, you've represented New South Wales and Australia thirty-four times in total, but it's one game that you missed, and uh, uh, Ray brought it up to us. Um, but you one game that you missed that uh, you reckon you're most famous for. Tell us about falling off a horse. Yeah, well, I actually missed a whole series that year, so I missed three games. It was nineteen ninety-nine. And I only told the story again on uh, Swanee's podcast this morning. It was we had we had a coach at the time, Wayne Pierce. Wayne Pierce was a non-drinker, had an absolute superstar of the game uh, in the eighties. Uh, the first sort of guy, yes, exactly. And he was the first sort of guy that was a non-drinker, trained the house down. Back in those days, everyone had a dad's bod, uh, but he was the first guy to have an eight-pack biceps and uh, a big chest and. Um, 
Anyway, the reason why is because your dad never used to drink and he used to train extremely hard. So he came in as a coach in 1999 and he basically, prior to that, we'd have 10 day camps. The first five days would be like a mad Monday, five days in a row. <laughs> And we'd train, we'd train for the uh, the other five and play the game on the uh, the tenth day. But being a non-drinker, he said, "Guys, we're going to do it differently this year, and um, we're going to do uh, activities uh, without alcohol." But we were all blowing up, uh, carrying on like pork chops. That uh, we wanted to have a beer, and uh, sure enough, he, let, he allowed us to have a beer on the first night. But the activity the very next day uh, was riding horses. Uh, up, in the, up in the Blue Mountains, but it was a big surprise. So we all jumped on the, the bus. Everyone got home at 7 o'clock in the morning. We jumped on the bus at 9 o'clock that morning and uh, sure enough, ended up on horses. And uh, I won't go into it because it's a three-hour story, but I basically <laughs> fell off the horse, broke my collarbone, and um, it's the next 10 weeks of football. <laughs> oh, you can't but, help bad luck. Hey, uh, tell me, Robbie, were you at Storm when uh, the Melbourne's police SOG used to go in there and do the camps? Yes, I, I was. So Craig Bellamy brought that into uh, into action when he first arrived back in 2003. I retired in 2005, so I had three years of it. Yep, yep. And um, it's next level, next level. I've, I mean, I've done... I feel and I know I've done a lot of hard training over the days when I was, I was in, my, in my prime, but... Nothing compares to working under those conditions, uh, sleep deprivation, uh, it's, it's next level. So I may I take my hat off to all those SAS guys and have to do it for two weeks straight. We do, we do it for three or four days and uh, yeah, it absolutely, absolutely murders absolutely. Yeah, oh, we know a couple, a couple of us here are ex-cops and some of those guys are our mates and um, well, aware, <laughs> well aware of their behaviours. <laughs> oh, They're good boys too. Great fellas. We get on great. We get on like a house on fire with them, but uh, it's, it's quite funny. I, was, uh, I remember one of, one of the uh, early early trips, we, you know, we had to call them by their, their surnames, Mr., Mr. whoever it was and Mr. Walsh and... Better, 
uh, administration from from top down, um, and Peter Mahon was a great case. But we had a lot of superstar players on paper, but I'm not too sure whether they were over there for the right reason. You know, I mean, we had a couple of nutters over there, and uh, it just it seemed like you know it was early days of professional football, but. You know, these guys are sort of out there living a bit of a dream and living a, living a party life. And I went there in the second year. It lasted for three years. Um, first couple of years, I was blown away what, what, what some of the antics... Well, not some of the antics, but, you know, the guys weren't head-down bum up, so, so to speak. It was, uh, everyone was enjoying the party life over there a little bit. And uh, I reckon that's the reason why. I, I feel like we weren't successful. Off the back of that, we weren't getting crowds. Off the back of that, we weren't getting sponsors. And... It was all too hard, costing the league too much, and uh, it folded up and Melbourne Storm started. Do you, do you think they could have a second crack at it and, and another team could start up and play out of Perth? Yeah, I truly believe. Back in the day, I mean, we all know about the Super League war. Um, it was the ARL versus Super League. Pretty much Kerry Packer versus Griffin Murdoch. Uh, that, was, that was pretty much the gist of it, but... The concept was fantastic. They wanted to place a team in every in every capital city, plus a couple of regional areas such as Newcastle and Canberra. Um, it was a team team competition. It, it had the right concept. Uh, they just didn't go about it the right way. They didn't get everyone to buy into it. Hence the two competitions existing. So um, I really feel like there's an opportunity for Perth to uh, jump into the uh, the NRL uh, with with. Obviously, the right management and the right players and the right administration, football staff, and so so forth. But they've got to get it right from day dot because it's not only in Perth; it's, it's Australia in general. If you you're not winning games of football, everyone loves a winner here in Australia. If you're not winning, they'll jump on you for three or four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. But eventually, they'll drop off you because everyone loves a winner here in Australia. And uh, we just didn't have it over there in Perth for three years straight. We weren't making finals and everything dropped off and it was just, obviously it's a big cost to, uh, you know, to four teams to and from the West Coast to the East Coast every second week. So just, uh, uh, it just didn't happen. But I've, 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 I truly believe if they, if they got it right, it could, it could last. Let's change tack, Rob. I noticed you got three three young kids and uh, you're obviously got a, a career or made a name for yourself in rugby league and you now live in Melbourne, which is an AFL state. Have you, do you, are your kids playing AFL or have you got them playing rugby at a local comp somewhere? Mate, they, uh, my, my three children, they're 20 now, 23, 21 and 19, time flies, <laughs> but they were, um, they were quite decent at every sport they tried. So they sport billies without being a, uh, you know, a master of any. So, but my number, my number one boy, he got into a bit of coaching, uh, went down the path of coaching rather than playing. Yep. Uh, in the rugby union, he, he's, he's given that up now. He's sort of found beer. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah. But um, my number, my number two boy, which is uh, he's a 21 year old. He plays for Heidelberg Tigers in the um, yep. in the Eastern League, and he's uh, he's a quite decent play. Goes all right. Um, and my daughter, believe it or not, she was she was most probably the pick of all of them. She was an absolute little superstar. AFL play when it, you know, in, in a female competition, but the last couple of years of her, well, she's gone back into it this year. But the last couple of years where she could have played, and she had the opportunity to you know, at that level, at that age group where they could have been drafted, she had 
Unfortunately, she had stress fractures in her back, which really put her backwards, and uh, so she's never really recovered from that, but she's slowly getting back into it. She's only 19 years of age, so fingers crossed she might have a crack at it later you on. M- you might be able to uh, show her some tips in tackling. I'm, only, I'm, I'm just guessing. I don't really know, but <laughs> you might be able to show her a few techniques. Hey, boys, I was a turnstile. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rob. Robbie, you've, you've just taken the kick off and you're running back. You, the, the little fella's passed it to you and you're, you, you've got the hit up. Who, who didn't you like seeing coming the other way? Oh, mate, the big boys. Yeah, mate, it, it just, it's, it's human human instinct and human nature just to run at the smallest bike in front of you, right? <laughs> so so, so if, a, if a Shane Webke or Gordon Tallis is in front of you, try and steer clear of those guys. Um... Mate, yeah, you just run at the smallest guy in front of you. So if he's to the right, three to the right, you you put on a left footstep and get to the right. If it's, it's three to the left, you put on a right footstep. It's just human nature. So, but the one thing that um, you got to do as a front row, which is my position, you got to show a bit of guts. You got to show show a bit of courage, and uh, you got to you got to you got to come off the back fence and run as hard as you can. So at times you're going to get flogged, and at times you're going to come through the other side. It's just a uh, of a lucky dip and um, more times than not you get flogged so that's why that's why I've got a head looking look, looking the way it is that's why you got 13 years just uh, drinking beers with sponsors too mate you deserved it <laughs> exactly well, no, Robbie I know it's, it's, a, it's state of origin so I mean it's you know it's a fantastic concept but was it weird at any point playing against your teammates again it's sort of funny it feels like I'm uh I'm actually uh, rewinding what I said this morning, but um, or replaying what I said this morning. But it's sort of funny in in, in sport, and I truly believe this. You know, I've got some of my one best mates in football that play for Queensland. I played against uh, other guys that play for different teams, uh, NRL teams, that I played with in rep football, um, mate. And it's just you see the jump and not the face. Right, um, and it's. And it's, it's so true, and people talk about it. And I, I never used to think it happened until it happened. I mean, I used to think, how, how, how can you bash your mate up, or how can you throw a punch in a mate's head? You know, knowing it's just one of your good mates, but it, it, it just happens. You, you don't see the face, you see the jumper. And at that level, from a very, very young age in New South Wales and Queensland, come origin time, you are you are bred to hate your position. Mm. It's a, it's, it's a full hatred. I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's a hatred towards that state come those three games every year. And, uh, yeah, truly, you don't you don't look at faces. You just look at the jump. It's not ridiculous, though. Whatever, right. it, whatever it takes to win and uh, for your teammates, absolutely. That's why it rates so highly, yeah. especially down down in Melbourne as well. We, that's why we watch it. It's, uh, it captivates the yeah. audience, doesn't it? It's just brilliant. And, and, I, and I know, and I was only saying this morning, boys, that, you know, they got asked. I got asked why. Why hasn't it worked in AFL? And I, and I, and I said, you know, it's more than likely the fact that it's five states in Australia that are dominant uh, or dominate in, in AFL. You know, you got obviously Victoria, South Australia, West Australia, New South Wales, and even Queensland these days. They got you know some wonderful players coming out of there, all playing in AFL. Whereas in rugby league, it's really only the two states that that play rugby league from, from the ground up. So there's, there's, there's a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of rivalry there, but also a lot of hatred too. So uh, that's why it exists. And we know that on a national scale that 
AFL is most probably a bigger sport, but the state of origin for rugby league, it's the jewel in the crown, and that's why every club supports it. That's why everyone gets behind it, and we know that that's, as I said, that's our jewel in the crown, and that's our showpiece. So we we want to make it work year in year out. It's bigger than, it seems bigger than the international yeah. game. Well, yeah. Is that what you say that the games are, are more exciting, a bit tougher than say playing for Australia? Yeah, well, it is. I mean, it's slowly. I mean, the international game, especially some of those Pacific Island nations, such as Samoa and Tonga, they're, they're going through a whole new level. Mm. So it is getting better and bigger. But definitely, when you talk about state of origin, it's it's the best of the best. You know, I mean, there's no one making up any numbers. You play week in, week out against you know, the club sides, and there's a lot of guys there that you know. To keep under the salary cap, it's, you know, you've got guys on there on minimum wage that they're not making up the numbers and there's no disrespect to these guys. They're coming through the, through the ranks, but there is no such thing as a salary cap in our state of origin. So you've got the best of the best going at each yeah. other. That's why the games are so yeah. intense. They're so fast. They're so physical. And uh, it'll continue to be that. And that's why it is a jewel in the ground because it's the best of the best playing the greatest football or rugby league, I should say, uh, year after year. So, that, and that's why. That, that's why. We love it. Yeah, just uh, just going back to the Bellamy coaching situation and, and talking about state of origin, Billy did a great job for Queensland. Could you see a situation where Bellamy might hand over to, say, Billy Slater in a few years and coach him? Mentor yeah, him? As I said earlier, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're all, everyone's asking the question, who's going to be the next great coach of uh, Melbourne Storm? And, Wherever it is, they're on hiding to nothing because yes. Bellamy has this unbelievable record. So, um, you know, there's always going to be a bit of, oh, I feel, there's always going to be a bit of a down after Craig Bellamy eventually moves on. Mm. Um, but we've got some wonderful guys that have been involved in the club, I think. The very next coach will be someone that's been involved. It won't be an outsider. Uh, we've got Jason Rolls, Steve Kearney, um, you know, Ryan Hinchcliffe. Even Mike McGuire, who you know, obviously just lost a job at uh, the West Tigers, he's a wonderful coach, and I've seen him in action here at the Melbourne Storm as an assistant under Craig Bellamy. With the right cattle, he could do wonders. So yeah. I'm not too sure it's going to be, but it'll be someone that's been involved in Melbourne Storm, whether it be currently or previously. Um, and like you said, that opens up the door for Billy Slater. Mm. Uh, you know, when he first came down here... The funny thing is, you know, Billy Slade has been given the you know the biggest job in coaching in rugby league here in Australia. Queensland taking on a very very dominant side, New South Wales side. Now, Billy has never coached an under ten side here in Melbourne, Queensland or New South Wales. Yeah, he's gone straight to the top, and you know, even I had my my queries about the whole situation. But mate, every time I see him, I spoke to him six weeks out from the from the origin. Mate, he was that excited. He handled himself unbelievable in the, in, the, in the media. And from all reports, everyone on the inside, I was talking to Alan Langer last week. He came down for the Brisbane Broncos v Storm game. And he, even he, one of the greats of the game, he, he, he said, mate, this guy is a superstar coach. He's going to make an all-time coach. But Billy, uh, again, he's got so much going on. He, he, he's breeding horses. Um, he's the ambassador of about a thousand companies. Um, so I don't know whether he wants to sort of give up his lifestyle to be a full-time coach because it takes up a lot of his time. 
If he's an, or, if he's an Origin coach, it's three games a year. If he's, if he's, if he's uh, coaching, you know, day in, day out, week in, week out for an NRL side, it's pretty much 30 weeks a year gone. Mm-hmm. So... Compared 30 to 3, I'm not too sure whether he wants to put up his hand. Let's just yeah. keep... We'll keep Bellamy. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep, keep Bellamy. Yeah, keep him in there. But I don't think whoever coaches uh, the Melbourne Storm after Craig, oh, I'm sure if they get you in to, to be drinking beers with the sponsors, they'll be successful. <laughs> Fingers crossed they'll keep me on board, boys. Let's hope so. Hey, Robbie, we'll leave it there, mate, but thank you so much for joining us uh, uh, tonight. Uh, It's been fantastic to get your thoughts on a few things and uh, hopefully New South Wales get up uh, on, on Sunday night. Yeah, fingers crossed, boys. No one loves a dead rubber, so uh, everyone loves a, uh, a decider. So, mate, looking forward to it, and uh, thanks for your time, fellas. No, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Robbie. Mate. <laughs> Robbie Kearns, uh, superstar for the Melbourne Storm.